0: Štan an indó askeige e Táim imíchttaí e dhéhsachcht ar e in si a of chacht a máchan seo gur féidir é chor iúigh ceart lena win féin. Skilti fis turmi Tá sé nach ara igornamion
1: g gonamán an che sinna eá.
0: Bhí antám a
1: ginn ná grh ááchttum fracht séthrin grn
0: If you like the Indo-Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo-Daily. And the reality
1: is, like most people, when you explain what it is like to be trans, they're going to understand that. They're going to understand that if they were presented with a situation where the choices were to be miserable or to be happy, they would choose to be happy.
0: I'm Siobhan McGuire, and with Pride Month celebrations well underway globally, I'm joined today by Jason Pope, who's going to tell me all about his own transgender journey. Jason, you're a transgender man. Can you explain that to me, as I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who just don't get the terminology?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Generally speaking, transgender just means somebody who identifies with a gender other than the one that they were assigned at birth. So for me, that means that I was assigned female at birth, but I realized that actually I identify much more heavily as a man. So now I am a man. I inhabit that identity. I do still strongly identify as a transgender person because it affects my experience of the world so much. And because I think it's something that, you know, I should be proud of. It shouldn't be something I feel like I have to hide. Uh, Not everybody feels the same way. Some people, don't really as heavily identify with being transgender. They just feel like I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm non-binary, whatever. Uh, And they don't feel as engaged with the community. But for me, it's quite an important part of who I am.
0: And let's talk about that, that word identify, because you are a transgender Mm. man.
1: Yeah. And like, I think that the word identify and identity can come up a lot and it can be quite it can be quite awkward because the reality is that, you know, everybody has a gender identity. People love this idea that uh, trans people have gender identities and cisgender people, people who aren't trans, that they just have genders. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's everybody has a gender identity at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, and we can often get hung up on describing trans people's gender identities and everybody else's gender.
0: Exactly. Because, you know, because I'm I'm not going to sit down here with you and say, Jason, I identify as a woman. Yeah. You know, so why should you have to sit there and say, well, I identify as a transgender man?
1: Yeah, it, it's clunky when you think about it yeah. at the end of the day. So, like, I do just, I don't identify as a man per se. I just am a man. Yeah. Um, but often we end up using words like identified to, to clarify and to explain things a bit more. But it can be a little bit frustrating.
0: Now... Let's talk about your journey. Mm. Um, so, when did you realize that there was something different? And again, pull me up on any mm. of the terminology I'm using here. Yeah, is different the right way to describe what you went through?
1: A lot of trans people have that experience, mm. self included. Like I always would have. It's a bit of a cliché to say it, but I always would have felt like I was different from other people in some way. I I, I just kind of knew that other people weren't feeling what I was feeling because, you know, in my little child brain, it didn't make sense because I looked around at the people around me and and it it's so kind of, it, it's slightly sad to think about a child thinking this way retrospectively. But I used to look around and think, if everybody else feels the same way I do, then it doesn't make sense that I find it so much harder than them.
0: And what age were you when you started having feelings like this?
1: I don't remember not feeling different from other people, which, again, is kind of sad to think about to a certain extent, because it meant that for a lot of my childhood, I felt quite alienated from other people and I felt like I didn't fit in with other people. But at the same time, I didn't start to realise what that difference was until I was, you know, about 12, 13. Um, I didn't start to register that there was kind of a gender element to the difference I was experiencing until that stage. Because, you know, especially with young kids, young kids are very androgynous. And young kids love to kind of play and mess around with gender. You know, that is very normal for young children. But for me, it went a step farther. You know, it wasn't just that I was a stereotypically masculine child. It wasn't just that I liked blue and t-shirts and shorts and lego and stuff like that it was that i felt so uncomfortable being grouped with other girls i felt so uncomfortable being addressed by my birth name as a girl using she or her pronouns it was all so uncomfortable
0: for me and and growing up you you're an only child yeah. jason just from speaking with you i can i can tell you're very very close to your parents aren't you like Yes and no.
1: (laughs) Like most young adults, I don't love hanging out with my parents. But I have got like a very, like I have a different relationship with my parents than a lot of people will have because of the fact that like having come out as transgender as a teenager, that's a very different experience of being a teenager than most teenagers, right? So my parents have dealt with something a little bit different than most parents and have had a different role in me as a teenager and as a young adult than they would have had if I wasn't trans. It's a very bittersweet experience to realise that you're trans because you simultaneously have this sudden realisation of, okay, there's a word for what I experience. And that's very relieving. And it is so kind of overwhelmingly relieving to be able to know that there's other people with the same experience as you, who understand what you're going through and that what you're going through is real and you're not the only person experiencing that. But there's also this kind of crushing feeling at the same time where you realise all of the things that you know about how hard it is to be trans, that you learn when you start to discover that you're trans, that that's your life now.
0: Is there a sense of of feeling, I guess, trapped in in a body?
1: I never felt that way. Yeah. Other trans people do. Um, I would have described like the feeling of, for me, the feeling of gender incongruence, of having my gender identity as a man mismatched from my assigned gender and from the way people treated me, that to me felt more like a very disassociated feeling. It's like I wouldn't recognize myself in the mirror if I looked at myself. I didn't see myself. I knew what I looked like in my head, but that wasn't what I saw. The discomfort was very, like, if every if you walked into your house and everything in your house had been moved a few inches to the left and you couldn't really figure out what was wrong, Is that kind of slightly offset feeling all of the time.
0: I mean, being a teenager is hard enough, Jason, and you have to contend with all of that. You did confide in some of your teachers, didn't you? Yeah,
1: so, like, when I did realise I was trans, I started to tell some of my very close, tra- close friends um, and then I started to tell some of the teachers. Um, that I had. Um, I remember it was the guidance counsellor in my school, one of them, um, one of the religion teachers in my school, oddly enough. There was a teacher who worked on, like, a resource and special educational needs who helped to support um, an LGBT group in the school. So I came out to them mostly as a means of kind of having an adult, or a set of three adults, who kind of understood. And I ended up, like, using them as a bit of a like sounding board. Like I, when I decided I was going to come out to my parents, um, which I originally didn't plan on doing at all. I planned to just never come out to my parents and just wait until I was an adult and like tough it out basically. But that didn't work, obviously, that didn't happen. But when I decided I wanted to come out to my parents, I wrote a letter for my parents because I felt that was the easiest way for me to kind of adequately communicate how I felt without having to be in the room in that moment, because I knew that like, I would find it very hard to cope with any kind of response in the moment, whether it was positive or negative, it would have been difficult for me. The gist of it was just that I explained what being trans meant to my parents, because I knew they didn't know. I knew they had no idea what it meant to be trans. Um, And I explained that I wanted to change my name uh, and that I wanted to be addressed by he, him pronouns from now on. Well, like one morning before school, I just left it in the kitchen. And yeah, I just walked to school and I was like, "Okay, that's done. Guess I'll go to maths now. I put in the letter that I wanted my parents not to tell, talk to me about it immediately because I was trying to encourage them not to have a knee jerk reaction because I didn't want them to have because I knew that this had happened to other people where like, their parents had had, like, an immediate negative reaction and regretted it. Yeah. So I wanted to encourage them to take a minute to think about it before responding. So I was like, please don't address this for, like, the next day. Just think about it for a minute. Yeah. Uh, they didn't do that at all. Um, my mother, like, texted me uh, before, like, my classes had even started. My mother texted me. She was like, it's fine. Everything's fine. Um... So I knew that like I wasn't going home to like a disaster zone.
0: The name Jason. Yes. Why did you decide on that? And I you know, you have an unusual spelling J A Y S O N.
1: The reason I ended up doing that is uh like my birth name began with a J. Then a little while after I came out, uh two kind of separate things happened. One of them was that I found that because at that point in my life, I didn't look particularly masculine. When people heard that my name was Jay, they assumed I was still a girl. My name didn't feel masculine enough. So I was like, okay, this needs to be a bit more manly, Um, which retrospectively isn't that important. But at the time it mattered to me. Um, And the other thing that happened was, is when I, with my birth name, I had had a full name and that nobody ever called me and a sh- like nickname that everybody in my family called me and like all of my friends called me and that I preferred to be called. So I was like what if I just go with the full name thing again? So I decided to change my name to fully Jason.
0: Can we talk about the transition? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um so you started on hormones at the age of 16?
1: Yes. Okay. Um and that is probably like within Ireland, pretty much the youngest that's ever going to happen at the moment uh, or up to this point. You know, again, it's a very bittersweet experience because for me, it was really important um, and it was really significant for me uh, and I really needed it at that point. Um, I I don't think I could have coped as well as I was coping for much longer without starting hormones because it, it, when you think about it, like at that point in my life, I was 16 and You know, I was going into transition year and I was surrounded by all of my peers who were, like, they were growing up and I wasn't, basically. Mm. You know, I remember there was, like, a photo of me in my, like, junior cert metalwork class. And, like, I just look so out of place with everybody because I look so young compared to everybody else around me. Because the reality is, like, when you're a trans man and you're dressing masculinely and presenting yourself masculinely, you just end up looking like a little boy a lot of the time. Yeah. And I looked like a little boy. Uh, I know I was 16, but I mean, I looked like 12. Uh, so it wasn't going very well in that respect. But at the same time, it was so difficult. Yeah. It was so challenging to get to that point. Um, Like I had been on a waiting list for over a year. I know it's much worse now, Uh, but I'd been on a waiting list for over a year. and would had to go through these like psychological assessments that were like quite disrespectful in a lot of ways. Um and it just felt like fighting to try and get what I needed.
0: After you've gone through the, the process of of well, the hormones, you stay on them, I would imagine for yeah, ever, forever. Forever. Okay.
1: Like you can stop if you want to. Yeah. And if I wanted to stop tomorrow, I could just stop. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't. Okay. I, I, I like having testosterone in my system. It makes me feel right. And I like the effects it's brought to my body.
0: So then you did your leaving cert and it was was straight after your leaving cert that you you went for surgery.
1: Yeah, so like I made the decision quite early when I was in sixth year. It's not quick, right? Yeah. The process of booking is not quick. Sure, I had like a a virtual consultation uh, just after my 18th birthday. Yeah. Which was like October of sixth year. You know, I ended up going abroad, right? Uh, Because there was no options in Ireland at the time. Uh, And I ended up going to Florida specifically because the options that were closer to home, like in the UK or Europe, I just didn't know as many people who'd gone there. And I'd also had a friend who'd gone to this very well-known surgeon who all he does is stop surgery. I knew, you know, me and my friend, we have very similar body type, very similar build. So I knew I would look exactly like his results. Uh, My friend's like, he's only a few months older than me, but that meant that for the summer just before sixth year, he was 18. So he also had surgery over the summer, but the year before me. So I was just really comfortable going with that surgeon because I knew it was really good. And obviously like that is a privilege to be able to go so far away and to an expensive surgeon. You know, not everybody has had that privilege. And I know that that is largely because like my parents are supportive and they were able to help me pay for that. Like I could not have done that on my own. I could not have done that if my parents couldn't afford it, you know, so it is a privilege.
0: They went with you, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, my parents yeah. came
1: with me. We made a holiday out of it. Like we went to Universal Why beforehand. Why not? Uh, <laughs> because we were like, well, we're going to have to go to Florida anyway yeah. to do this. So we may as well have fun first.
0: Exactly. When in Rome?
1: Basically. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the surgeon, he's he's in Davie, which is near Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So we stayed in this hotel in Fort Lauderdale. And again, it's the strangest experience when you think about it. Staying in a hotel to go have surgery. Uh, the other thing that's really weird about it is that top surgery is an outpatient procedure. So I went and had surgery at like 9am and I was back in a hotel at like 2. You know, my experience of top surgery and a lot of people's experience of top surgery is very life changing. Of course. Uh, because like prior to having top surgery, I was wearing like a chest binder every day so that I would have a flat chest. Yeah. And that was important to me. So, it's a very life changing experience for the rest of us. Uh, and he's just doing it five times a day every day. When I started testosterone and when I had top surgery, it kind of felt like my life could start more because the level of confidence it gave me was just unme- unmeasurable. And particularly when I had top surgery, because at that point I was already on testosterone for about two years. So, I Not that I looked the same way I do now after six years on testosterone, but like I had facial hair, I had become much more visibly masculine, my voice had gotten much deeper. So I was very happy with what I looked like at that point in time. So combined with suddenly having a flat chest and not having to wear a binder anymore, like the confidence was just flowing. Yeah. You know, I just felt great and I felt like I looked right. I looked like I imagined myself looking. And it's, you know, when I was small, I envisioned what I look like today, just by chance. This is what I thought I would look like and it's how I've ended up looking. It was so incredible for me. Like when I had that post-op appointment, they take off like you've bandaged on for six days. So you can't see anything that's going on up here. And when you go to your post-op appointment, they take them off and then they're like, okay, get up now, you can go look at your chest. It's such a strange experience to see your own reflection for the first time. It's not like meeting a new person, but at the same time, it's kind of like that. It's very freeing at the end of the day. And like, I personally like, I really value having that experience. I'm so glad I was able to have top surgery before I started college because like, I think it made me so much more confident and comfortable in college. And it also gave me a level of control. I never had to tell anybody I was trans if I didn't want to. Obviously, I want to. I'm, I'm here, I'm doing stuff like this. I'm very open but it gave me the control that it was my decision and my choice if I wanted to or not, didn't want to tell someone. I had control over that at the end of the day.
0: And, and that's the thing about you, uh, Jason, and I picked it up from you the second I met you. You're very eloquent in the way you talk about all of this, because there is obviously that need within you to help other people like mm. me, like our audience, our listeners, understand exactly mm. what it means to be trans.
1: Yeah, I know that there are so many people outside of the trans community who have no idea what it's like to be trans, and walk around all day not thinking about it. Like, I know that my mom told me that uh, before I came out, she always phrased it as, like, trans wasn't on her radar, is the way she puts it, because she didn't know any trans people that she knew of, and she didn't have any trans people in her life that she knew of, so she just wasn't thinking about it, and all of a sudden, she had to think about it, right? But there's also a lot of people within the trans community who are at a point where they don't see yet that we can just have nice lives. We can just have nice things. We can just be happy. Um, and it's really important for me to be able to talk to people and tell them that like transitioning is beautiful. Being trans is beautiful. To me, transitioning is kind of like the ultimate act of self-care right? Because you're doing it to take care of yourself and to make yourself happy and to make yourself comfortable. And it's a gift you're giving to yourself to say like, you know, you deserve to feel good about yourself. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to be confident. You deserve to be comfortable at the end of the day. And I wish more people were able to see how positive it is to be trans because so much of like the representation of what it means to be trans has always been very sad. It's always been about how hard it is. do not get me wrong. It is hard, but the end result is awesome. The payoff is great at the yeah. end of the day. Like, I'm a very happy person. I really like my life. I really like the things that I get to do. I'm very satisfied and I'm very confident. And I wouldn't be if I hadn't been able to transition. Like, I just wouldn't be the same person. I wouldn't be so confident and happy and fulfilled in my life without that. And I think that people don't realise that yet, how much of a difference it can really make to a person.
0: Is there a lot of support out there for the trans community or indeed, should there be more?
1: Like, there should always be more. But I think that it is helpful to remember that, you know, the vast majority of people are either supportive of the trans community or they're gonna be once you start talking to them. You know, they just don't know they are yet because they don't know anything yet. But most people, they can understand that we should do the things that make us happy. You know, like I remember like I talked to my granny about this kind of thing. Um, my granny's 82, I think. Um, and she's lovely. Uh she's very religious. So when I was deciding to come out to her, I was worried about the way she'd respond. But she's very herself elegant in saying that, you know, why would I be given the opportunity to do something that makes me happy and expected not to do it? Why would I be told that I can't be happy and that I have to suffer? And like, that was really impactful for me to know that like, at the end of the day, that's what we're all doing. We're all trying to be happy and fulfill ourselves and make ourselves feel comfortable and having fun lives and be happy at the end of the day and go to sleep satisfied, you know? Um, And that's all trans people are trying to do as well. There's just some extra steps uh, and a bit of extra messing around to get to the end goal. Um, And the reality is that like most people, when you explain what it is like to be trans, they're going to understand that. They're going to understand that if they were presented with a situation where the choices were to be miserable or to be happy, they would choose to be happy.
0: My thanks there to Jason Pope. And if anybody is looking for more information on this issue, you can go to belongto.org and tenny.ie. Today's episode of the Indo-Daily was presented and produced by myself, Siobhan Maguire, researched by Garrett Mull-Hall, recorded and sound designed by John Smith. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.